Today on Not Sam Wrestling, what the hell just happened over the weekend and where on earth do we go from here? This is Not Sam Wrestling. This is Not Sam Wrestling. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Happy New Year. Welcome to Not Sam Wrestling, first episode of 2022, and my God, my God, is there a lot to break down. I mean, I don't even want to get started on the fact that it is the 20-year anniversary of 2002. We might have to wait till next week to really dissect how great of a year 2002 was. We did it a little bit on Not Sam Wrestling on the WWE Network, uh, which is still up on Peacock. If you just search Not Sam Wrestling on Peacock, you can find uh, the episodes. But we highlighted a couple of the pay-per-views that happened in 2002. I mean, it might be the best year ever in WWE. So maybe next week, maybe we'll go over that. Or maybe we'll do that on Patreon, uh, on one of the bonus shows at patreon.com slash wrestling. I don't know. But we got too much to talk about today because one day, in one day, and specifically that one day was day one, my entire... 2022 forecast. I spent 25 minutes breaking down exactly where Roman Reigns would go in 2022. I made a whole video of it. I put it up at our YouTube page, youtube.com slash wrestling. Make sure that you're subscribed. And in one night, the whole thing was thrown out the window, potentially. And why? Because of that bastard named Corona, COVID-19 takes out Roman Reigns just as we're getting ready for day one. We find out, I want to say around, I think 6.30 p.m. Eastern is when I caught wind of it. I tweeted it out as soon as I had heard it because I couldn't believe it. All excited for a Saturday night pay-per-view. I love, by the way, that WWE is doing these Saturday night pay-per-views. It's so much better to be able to uh, have a day right, before we have to go back to work or school, to have a day to let all this stuff sink in, because that's what it's been doing. All this stuff has been sinking into my blood over the last 24 hours or so. But we find out, you know, 90 minutes before the show goes on, that Roman Reigns will not be at the show, because Roman Reigns has tested positive for COVID-19. So first thing you do is put your prayers up and hope that uh, the big dog, the head of the table, is going to be okay. Secondly, you go, well, where does that leave the pay-per-view? Well, they say Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns obviously is no longer the main event of the show. That match is not happening. Instead, Brock Lesnar will still be main eventing the show. He'll be part of the Fatal 4-Way. It's now a Fatal 5-Way, the main event for the WWE Championship. Thank God Paul Heyman made Brock Lesnar a, a free agent because he was never technically drafted to SmackDown. So technically, you don't even have to figure out. I mean, it's one sentence, right? You wouldn't, even if he was a SmackDown guy, they'd just be like, well, he's making a special appearance. But they didn't even have to do that because he's a free agent. So now he's competing for the WWE Championship. Big E, Seth Rollins, Kevin Owens, Bobby Lashley, Brock Lesnar. And after all this time, it took, what, 20 hours? 22 hours into the year 2022 to finally get Brock Lesnar and Bobby Lashley in the same ring at the same time, something that fans have been asking for for oh so, so long, something that Bobby Lashley said he wanted from the minute he returned to WWE. The minute he showed up on that uh, Raw after WrestleMania a few years ago, and people were like, whoa, Lashley's back? He was talking about wanting a match with Brock Lesnar, and it is just never, not only has it never come up, it's never come close. This is as close as we've gotten. They put hands on each other last night. Well, so we find out this is happening, and it's like, holy Toledo. And then, the shock of all shocks. After a tremendous fatal five-way, Brock Lesnar puts the F5 on Big E, pins the champion, which he didn't even have to do, 
one, two, three, and Brock Lesnar is your WWE champion. Now, was I surprised? No. Was I, I guess, shocked? You could say, yeah. I mean, it's always, I was jarred. It's a jarring thing, but I thought that that was the move to make. And I thought that's the move that they would make. And I thought that because, first of all, just the idea of WWE, of, of Brock Lesnar leaving the WWE champion. I thought that that was basically a guarantee. And some people said, well, clearly that means he was going to beat Roman Reigns for the Universal title. And so instead they're making him WWE champion. I don't think it means that at all. Because the dynamic has completely changed. There is no equivalency. Brock Lesnar being the WWE champion is not equivalent to Brock Lesnar being the Universal champion. The whole point of Brock Lesnar winning the Universal title, if he was going to do that, would have been so that Roman has to get it back from him. The idea that Roman is the Universal champion now, still, and Brock Lesnar is the WWE champion, you've now got to think of more reasons for them to fight again, not less reasons, because why would Brock want the Universal Championship and why would Roman want to defend it against him? He's already got a title. He could be busy on this other show. Meanwhile, there's all these other people that want a piece of Brock now because while normally it wouldn't be in one's best interest to step into the ring with the Beast, now he's the WWE Champion. Who doesn't want to be the WWE Champion? Everybody on Monday Night Raw on some level should theoretically want a match with the Beast, right? So I actually think that this doesn't at all lead you to believe that he was going to win the Universal title. It doesn't mean that he wasn't going to win the Universal title. It's just this decision, I don't think, has any bearing on whether Brock Lesnar was going to beat Roman Reigns or not. I think that we can all be left guessing. I think Brock Lesnar winning this match does not... Oh, jeez. I think Brock Lesnar winning this match does not tell us who was going to win between Brock and Roman or who was going to win the fatal four-way. It certainly doesn't tell us that. I think what happened when Roman was confirmed as not being on the show was all of the plans went out the window completely, and it's time to start from scratch. Backs are up against the wall. How do the people go home happy? Because that's key here, right? That's a key move. The reason that Brock Lesnar, to me, won the WWE championship is... My working theory is that the WWE does not mind disappointing fans when they're doing it themselves. WWE does not mind writing a story that is going to disappoint a fan. WWE does not mind a result that disappoints fans, a heel winning, a, a heroic moment not happening because it's part of storytelling because probably in their minds, eventually there will be some kind of comeuppance but all, all, for instance, like Brock Lesnar beating The Undertaker for the street. The WWE wasn't worried about disappointing fans there because it was for the greater good and because they were the ones in control of it. What the WWE won't have, and history would tell us that they won't have it, is Mother Nature disappointing fans on their behalf. The WWE does not like disappointing fans when it's out of their control. And so when something happens that is out of their control, you generally find that the WWE tries to, to overdo it, to give you something even better. I mean, you can, you can go back just in recent history. You don't have to go back that far. You can look at, I mean, you can look at a week ago, the Madison Square Garden house show, when most of the main event wasn't going to be there. Seth Rollins wasn't going to be there. Becky Lynch wasn't going to be there. Uh... I don't think, I think uh, Bobby Lashley was supposed to be there. He wasn't there. So instead of just saying, hey, man, we're going to present the show without these athletes. Sorry, we're in the middle of a pandemic. These things happen. They brought Edge in unadvertised and they headlined the show with Kevin Owens versus Edge in a steel cage. That way, people hopefully didn't leave saying, oh, man, I came to see that guy. They left saying, oh, my God, I did not expect Edge to be here. And I certainly didn't expect to see Edge versus Kevin Owens in a steel cage. We've never even seen Edge versus Kevin Owens on television before. What a value. What a deal. When you look at, at, at when the plane was stuck or, or delayed, whatever it was, in Saudi Arabia after that pay-per-view. 
And the, most of the SmackDown roster was on it. And they said, what are we going to do? And they did the NXT invasion of SmackDown. They had a handful of talent uh, from SmackDown that weren't at the pay-per-view or had taken the first jet back. But for the most part, they were short-staffed, so they brought an NXT invasion over. And people remember that SmackDown forever. It's, it's, it's one of the favorite SmackDowns that people had. It's the first time Pat McAfee was on color commentary. But that's a show that was planned day of because the WWE's back was against the wall. Edge and Kevin Owens was planned day of the WWE's back was against the wall. Maybe not day of, but within days of the show for sure. How about when uh, uh, Survivor Series in 2017, when they'd been building and building and building to uh, the Shield reunion and Roman was out sick. So what do they do? Kurt Angle is returning to wrestling. They had this thing in their back pocket where sometime Kurt Angle is going to be able to return to the ring for the first time. You know what? We were going to do it at WrestleMania. We'll give it to you now. Sorry, Roman's not here. They said, what about, it's supposed to be Finn Balor versus, uh, as the demon versus Sister Abigail Bray Wyatt, which people were already a little like, I don't know if I need Bray Wyatt to be Sister Abigail, but Bray Wyatt got sick. So what happened? They said, how about this? Not only we still give you the demon, but we'll just give you a dream match. The Demon versus AJ Styles. It's like you deliver even more. So I think that the idea here was that WWE did not want fans to leave this show. They said the advertising, the advertising for day one was that this is going to set the pace for WWE going into 2022. That all these competitors are fighting specifically hard because they know that what happens at day one sets the pace for their year in the WWE. Look at the card that was laid out. Clearly, they're trying to make this a big event. Clearly, they want this to be like, okay, day one is one of the big shows. You're going to have big matches on that pay-per-view or special live event, whatever they call them now. And so the last thing that they wanted was for the first day one show to leave a taste in people's mouths where, even if it was a good show, even if the matches were good, where they went, yeah, but imagine what that main event would have been like. It was good, but I would have loved to see Brock versus Roman. They didn't want fans in attendance that was sold out leaving saying that, and they didn't want fans watching on Peacock saying that. They didn't want, and, and, and next year when day one comes around, they didn't want it to be that sort of snake bit show. Instead, Let's do something that will make the world talk. First of all, anytime you put, and this has been my Brock Lesnar thing from the beginning, starting with, I mean, technically starting with SummerSlam, by the way, SummerSlam 2002, when Brock beat Rock, that was when it was like, okay, really it was 2002, when it was any match that Brock Lesnar is in, there's a good chance that he's going to win. There's a better than 50% chance that any match that Brock Lesnar is in, whether it be a singles match, a Royal Rumble match, whatever it is, there's a better than 50% chance that he's going to win. And they reminded people of that when he beat the streak. So already going into the Fatal Five Way, there's a better than 50% chance. You don't have to do Steiner math to figure it out that Brock Lesnar is going to win that match. Now, add that to the fact that we don't want people to leave going... Okay, so that's what happened. I wonder what would happen with Roman and Brock. Ah, oh, Roman and Brock would have been cool. Because what you could have done is put Brock in the match, have the same beginning, but when you took Brock out, you could have Brock be taken out. You could have Owens and Rollins handcuff him to something. You could have Lashley and Brock just kind of take each other out and just continue the match as you would have. And that's fine. But if you do that, number one, Brock's got a problem with whoever took him out of the match. So you've still created this storyline that you're going to have to pay off. And number two, people know if you add Brock into the match and then no matter how creative it is, you figure out a way to take him out. Well, you end up with this thing that's like, oh, I see what they did there. Oh, like Brock was just, it's like, it's like throwing a billboard up there. Like we're still giving you a taste of Brock, but that's it. It was really inconsequential. As opposed to, no, no, no. It had a major, major consequence. Brock Lesnar won the title. Now, why did Brock have to pin Big E? Because by the way, 
I got on with the upper couple tier Patreon members, the shills at patreon.com slash wrestling, And we talked about day one, right before the pay-per-view, specifically how it had changed. And I said, firstly, I said that it's definitely going to be Brock winning the title. And then I said, and I, I would not be surprised if Brock pins Big E. And boom, there he was pinning Big E. Now, why does he pin Big E? Because... Number one, going forward, I don't think that you're creating a Brock Lesnar Big E rivalry. You've got an a non an unfinished Roman Reigns Brock Lesnar rivalry. You've now put some you know magical fairy dust on Bobby Lashley and Brock Lesnar. People have a taste for it now. People want to see that paid off. There's no way to do this match without it leading to people wanting a Bobby Lashley-Brock Lesnar match even more. Once Brock Lesnar's in that fatal five-way, if you've got a quarter of a brain, you know that people are going to leave going, I can't wait to see Bobby Lashley and Brock Lesnar one-on-one. No getting around it. So even if you do everything else right, if Brock, even if he wins the title, if he doesn't pin Big E, well, then Big E's got a reason to complain which means that Big E's got a problem with Brock Lesnar, which means now you've got to pay off Brock and Roman, Brock and Bobby, and Brock and Big E. So what do you do instead? Look, Brock has a history of it. The New Day is on this planet to give us hope. The New Day is on this planet to show us what it looks like when we get everything we've ever dreamed of. And Brock Lesnar is that crushing reality. Kofi Kingston gave us all inspiration. Brock Lesnar destroyed it. Big E brought that inspiration back. He was a great champion out there doing interviews, out there talking about what a big deal it was, representing the company. What did Brock Lesnar do? He crushed those dreams again. He's two for three on the new day. I wouldn't be surprised if Brock Lesnar just comes for... Xavier Woods, King of the Ring crown just because. Don't forget, Brock was the King of the Ring. Brock is a King of the Ring holder. Maybe he's offended that Xavier is running around calling himself the King. Nobody ever beat Brock for that crown. Brock comes and takes it from Xavier. It fits the pattern is all I'm saying. It is Brock's MO that whatever the New Day has, Brock is here to take it. So yeah, am I happy that that Big E is not the champion anymore? Absolutely not. I wanted Big E to hold that title at least until WrestleMania, if not past. I wanted Big E to be able to walk in to Dallas to 100,000 people and walk in as champion. And by the way, that still could happen. There's still three months of wrestling and two pay-per-views to go until WrestleMania. So there's no way I said day one is going to be the new start of the road to WrestleMania as opposed to the Royal Rumble, and that's true. It 100% is, but it's the start. We can't even see WrestleMania from where we're at. We got quite a road trip ahead of us. So the idea that Big E won't be champion again before WrestleMania, it's not impossible. I wouldn't put my money on it. I don't think it's going to happen, but it's not impossible. So now what do you do? I mean, I even saw in my mentions, there were some people that said, Is Roman getting COVID a storyline? Because this feels, you know, like it was written, which is insane. Like, of course, Roman getting COVID is not a storyline. This is not kayfabe. This is COVID. This is the real deal. But WWE came together and wrote a story when they had to write a story. And I think that that's something that we can't take for granted. Look, I've produced live events before. They are as high-pressure pain-in-the-ass things as you could possibly imagine. That's why I don't do them that often because I it's really arduous putting them together. There's just so many moving parts. And the idea that WWE found out, I mean, no more than 24 hours before this live event that the biggest star in the industry wasn't going to be there that's not just, oh, we got to change the match now. That's, we have to change the whole night. The whole structure of the night was built to build to Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns. 
that whole structure has to be scrapped. Oh, and by the way, even if the match was only going to be five minutes with ring entrances and promos and video packages and the big outro and the closing shot of the night and everything, that's easily 25 minutes of a show that's just gone. I don't think that WWE's crew, the backstage crew and the talent combined get enough credit for putting on a show for what they did, for for seamlessly making it seem like here's our show for tonight. And it felt, and it was a good, I mean, look at the way it was bookended. And it tells you everything you need to know, by the way, about how important the New Day and how important the Bloodline is. The fact that you had uh, this tag team match to start the show, New Day and the Usos. Like people will say, oh, New Day and the Usos again. I could watch them every pay-per-view. Just an incredible, incredible match. I, am I a shill? Am I a homer if I sit here and say that the New Day and the Usos may be the two best tag teams in the industry? I know there's a lot of AEW people that would be very pissed to hear that. What about the Young Bucks? What about the Revival? What about LAX? What about Red Dragon? I know. They're great. They're incredible. But then, you know, and maybe Lucha Brothers. Maybe next time I watch the Young Bucks and the Lucha Brothers, I'll go, this is the best tag match that any wrestling promotion could present right now. But maybe it's recency bias. I just watched The Usos and The New Day, and I'm I'm finding it difficult to accept an argument that that's not the best tag team match in all of wrestling right now. So to have that be the opener and that fatal five-way be the closer, just physicality from the moment the bell rang until the moment the bell ended, just action, action, F5s, throwing around. It's just great. It was a perfect fatal five-way. And those aren't diff- those aren't easy to do. It's difficult. But so now what happens? What happens coming off of this? We got Brock Lesnar as the WWE champion. We've got Roman Reigns as universal champion. We've got unfinished business with them. And this idea that it's almost a given. It was a given before day one that that was going to be your WrestleMania main event. Oh, if you've been listening to me for any amount of time on any medium, for years I've been talking about the fact that I hate Steven Singer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hate Steven Singer. You know who I'm talking about. The guy in Philly. You've heard about him. Maybe you've been to Philly. Maybe you've seen the billboards. You've heard him on the radio. I hate Steven Singer. Probably wondering what it means. Well, Steven Singer is the most hated jeweler in America. Why? It's because other jewelers can't stand him. The same way I'm the most hated wrestling podcaster in the world. Why? All these other podcasters can't stand me. And why is that? It's the same reason for both of us. For Steven, it's because he has the best Valentine's gift ever. And I'm very excited to tell you about it. See, Steven Singer and I are coming together to bring you the best Valentine's Day gift ever. Are you listening? I want you to picture this. A real, long-stem American beauty rose, lavishly and deeply dipped in pure 24-karat gold, and it lasts forever. Yes, you heard it right, and they start at only $59. His beautiful Valentine's Day rose won't wilt or die. It doesn't ever need water. This is the number one gift women want. Something unique, special, and it lasts, yep, forever. Just like Roman Reigns' title reign. They come with your own personalized love note in Steven's signature gift box shipped for free starting at just $59. Go now to IHateStevenSinger.com or visit his showroom at the other corner of 8th and Walnut in Philly to see what I'm talking about. Real roses from a real jeweler for your real love. Steven Singer Jewelers. That's IHateStevenSinger.com. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. 
That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Hey guys, thanks for listening to Not Sam Wrestling. While you're here, don't forget to please subscribe to this podcast. Don't just download it. Subscribe wherever it is that you got this podcast. And if it's on Apple Podcasts, Leave a five-star rating and a review. It helps the podcast more than you know. While you're subscribing to things, make sure that you visit us at youtube.com slash notsamwrestling and hit the subscribe button there. We've got every interview as well as podcast specials going up every single week for free at youtube.com slash notsamwrestling. And if you want even more Not Sam Wrestling, if one show a week does not suffice, become a Not Sam shill. At patreon.com slash notsamwrestling, we do a bonus episode every single week. You can watch the podcast get recorded live every single week. Video of everything that we do, opportunities for Zoom calls, and of course, for everybody that signs up as a Not Sam show, you get every Not Sam Wrestling podcast early and 100% ad-free. Thank you for listening to the show and for your continued support of Not Sam Wrestling. But I talked about that literally last week, seven days ago, the first, the last podcast of 2021. I said, Paul Heyman turns on Roman. Paul Heyman goes babyface with Brock Lesnar. Roman wins the Royal Rumble, goes to WrestleMania, beats Brock Lesnar, turns babyface, you know, within that moment. And, and that's where Roman stands alone without Paul Heyman. Universal champion again as a baby face, and we can all finally accept him. I mean, that's not the story that's going to be told because that's not the story that can be told. So what is going to happen at WrestleMania? I think probably you're still looking at Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns as your main event for WrestleMania. A lot of people think that Bobby Lashley versus Brock is going to be your main event for WrestleMania. I don't think so. You know, I, I, there, there is a, a version. I've got a, an, another pitch, which is just like, here's my pitch for not this. But the reality is, I really think you're going to get Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. I think it's even more likely now than it was before day one, because now you didn't get that day one match. Now, I mean, realistically, even though they've headlined WrestleMania twice before, and by the way, I mean, Rock and Stone Cold headlined WrestleMania three times. If there's one other match that can headline WrestleMania three times, I don't mind it being Brock versus Roman Reigns, especially when this is the third one. We'll know for sure, right? It'll be like the first one was special because Seth cashed in and it was great. The second one was special because we thought it was a waste of everyone's time, but then Brock beat Roman and none of us saw that coming. And this third one will be special for the right reasons because of the story that is being told between Brock and Roman Reigns. I mean, look at what Brock Lesnar is doing. He's taking goddamn selfies with fans. Brock Lesnar is taking selfies with fans. Who is this guy who has taken over the massive body of Brock Lesnar? It's unbelievable. The cameras are off. The show is over. And Brock is so committed to the role that he's playing, he doesn't turn it off. That's what makes Brock Lesnar so good. That's what made him such a heel. People hated him because they were like, this guy doesn't care about wrestling at all. That's what he was portraying. That's the character that he was portraying, and he never turned it off. Now, He's a baby face that wears overalls and cut off flannels and takes selfies with people. And he never turns it off. People in the in the discord, in the chat, in the Zoom last night on Patreon were like, is this Brock Lesnar doing new kayfabe? No, Brock Lesnar is doing old kayfabe. And he's the only one left that can not only work all of us, but is working the entire industry. But so what's, okay, so so what does Brock versus Roman Reigns at WrestleMania look like? I think that you are still going to get Brock Lesnar versus Bobby Lashley. Like I said, there was a realization that sinks in that there's no way. Now look, 
This podcast comes out Monday morning. Once again, by the time Raw comes on, everything could be different. So just know that's why I put it out as early as I can on Monday. Because it is very difficult to do a wrestling podcast talking about current product because it's just changing every single day. However, as of right now, as of the time of this podcast release, yes, Brock versus Roman at WrestleMania, but yes, I believe we will still get Brock versus Bobby Lashley. I believe we will get Brock versus Bobby at the Royal Rumble. One scenario that I presented last night this is how sure I was that Brock was going to win is, and this is possible, is that in order to get the title off of him, in order to make it so that he can go to WrestleMania and challenge Roman for the Universal Championship without there being any weird, you know, unification thing going on, is that, number one, we could see Brock versus Bobby Lashley at the Royal Rumble and have Paul Heyman interfere. Right, Roman wouldn't interfere, I don't think, but have Paul Heyman come out, and we can't really tell if he's interfering or not, but it's distracting enough that Bobby Lashley is able to pin Brock Lesnar. I don't know if we want to see Brock Lesnar get pinned before WrestleMania. I don't know if that takes too much out of him, because realistically then, he will have had, what, three matches maybe before WrestleMania. One is a loss to Roman Reigns at Crown Jewel. One is the win at the Fatal Five-Way, and the third is the loss to Bobby Lashley. I don't know if we want to get back on this track of having Brock Lesnar lose matches. Brock Lesnar losing matches is not nearly as valuable as Brock, Brock Lesnar winning matches. So, if you want to get the title off Brock without having him lose matches, you could have Brock defend the WWE Championship in the Royal Rumble match which is different. I know you're saying he did that before. He did not do that before. The title was not on the line when he was in the Royal Rumble match, when he got eliminated by Drew McIntyre, because Drew won and he didn't win the title. So he has not, if if Brock Lesnar comes out and says, you know what? People say I don't defend the title enough. I'd like to defend it against everybody. I'll defend it against Johnny Knoxville. I'm defending it in the Royal Rumble match. And then... You can have maybe the Usos come in with Roman. Maybe you, you can find a way to get Brock Lesnar eliminated that would put us right back on the path to Brock looking for revenge against Roman and looking for a title, specifically the Universal title. You could probably also get there by having Paul Heyman interfere in a match with Bobby Lashley and having Bobby Lashley take the title off Brock, and Brock is more mad at Paul Heyman than he is at Lashley. But again, that would mean Brock eating a pin. However, I think, for me, the best case scenario here, and I've been thinking about this pretty much for 24 hours, and this is the scenario that I like, is you do title versus title, champion versus champion, Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar, the Universal Champion versus the WWE Champion at WrestleMania. I mean, how do you make this more of a super match than that? Roman, Brock, WWE title, Universal title, one-on-one. I love it. I think it's the way to go. Now, I know your, 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 your brains are spinning already. You're going unification match. I love it, Sam. I did not say unification match because I've seen that in my app mentions too. Let's do a unification match. Get rid of the brand split forever. Eh-eh. No way. I would not advocate for getting rid of the brand split. I don't know what people's obsession is with getting rid of the brand split. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go back to the Super SmackDown era or Super Show Raw era, whatever it was. The era of SmackDown post-draft, pre-draft. Remember that era a few years when they just totally blew off the draft and they had all the SmackDown guys and all the Raw guys on the show at the same time. Do you remember what happened on SmackDown? Of course you don't. Nobody does. SmackDown was terrible. Nobody watched it. If you do not have a brand split, SmackDown just becomes a recap show of what's going on on Raw. You can't sit there and tell me when you watch Raw, there is spill-off storyline happening. 
Have you ever watched a three-hour episode of Monday Night Raw and went, if only they had two more hours? It's never happened. Never. And it never will. It's not, it won't. There's no way you can tell me that you watch an episode of Raw and go, man, I wish they had more time to tell these stories. No. What do you think would happen if you got rid of the brand split? Number one, it would be less opportunity for people. You, you, I mean, nobody likes seeing wrestlers get released. And if there is no brand split, more wrestlers are getting released. And number two, Nobody's watching SmackDown on Fox if there's a brand split. It's just not going to happen. And it doesn't seem like Fox would be all that happy about that. And quite frankly, I think most people like SmackDown better than Raw. Most of the time, I like SmackDown better than Raw. So the idea that you would just combine the rosters, I think, is a horrendous idea. It's a terrible idea. It's a not well thought through idea. I can't imagine a strong argument for not having the brand split. The brand split's good. Now, some people would say, well, fine, then just have one champion. There's too many champions. I disagree. I think that when there is one champion that goes in between both brands, it gets confusing. The brand split gets diluted. And especially because you don't have brand separate pay-per-views anymore. Brand And the brand separate pay-per-views is too much. It's too much to expect people to watch all that pay-per-view with so little roster. So unless every other month somebody doesn't have a champion, I just, you know, long term, I don't like the idea of one guy going show to show as champion for both. Long term. Short term, however, I don't think it's such a bad thing. I thought that we should have had more time with Becky Two Belts, for example. When Becky was walking around the Raw and the SmackDown Women's Champion, I thought we should have had more time with Becky Two Belts and just have her on both shows, defending the title on both shows. She only has to, she should only have to defend one of the titles on pay-per-view unless there's an exception, you know, and that's a fun thing. Every now and then the pay-per-view comes up where she has to have two matches. That could be fun, but it didn't last very long. I think Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns at WrestleMania becomes a winner-take-all. And I would absolutely have Roman Reigns win because what do you do? Coming off of WrestleMania 37, where he stacked Edge and Daniel Bryan on top of each other, what do you do to solidify that Roman Reigns is the man? Have him come out of WrestleMania 38, conquering the Beast and holding the Raw and SmackDown World Championships. Having the red, I guess it's black now. Having the black belt and the blue belt on each shoulder. And then I think Roman should be on Raw and SmackDown both. And I think Roman's character can afford to do that. I don't think you would overextend it. And I think it would actually make Raw a better show without taking away from SmackDown. I think that's the best, I think, I think because, because the most likely scenario is that we are still getting Roman versus Brock as your WrestleMania main event. I think the best way to do it is to make it title versus title and have the winner have to go on both brands as champion and just fight off everyone. That's the whole Roman character anyway. The other thing you could do, because then you go, okay, all right, well... If Brock has his match with Lashley at the Royal Rumble, which I think is probable, and then Roman has his match with whoever Roman has his match with, if Drew McIntyre's back from injury, maybe Drew, maybe somebody else, then what do you do with the Royal Rumble winner? That's the other monkey wrench in this whole thing. What do you do with the winner of the men's Royal Rumble match? And you go, huh. Well, you could do something like have Brock or Roman win the thing and keep their title and blah, blah, blah. But then what you've done is I never like it when that happens because I think that the Royal Rumble should be a device for getting somebody over. The same way winning the WWE Championship or the Universal Championship is a device. Winning the Money in the Bank briefcase is a device. Winning the Royal Rumble is a device. So if you use that device, 
on someone who's already been crowned, I think you've wasted a potential use. I think one way you could do it, WrestleMania is two nights, right? I think that you could do Roman and Brock as the main event of night one. Because when you think about it, right, you think about last year. Who's to say that Sunday is the bigger show? Maybe Saturday is the bigger show. You know, who's to say that just because the Sunday show is second doesn't mean it's the bigger show? Sunday could almost be a backlash to Saturday type of show. I don't mind the idea of the Royal Rumble winner getting a shot at one of the titles at night two of WrestleMania. So, you know, let's say Riddle, for argument's sake, wins the Rumble. Since Riddle is a Raw roster member, Roman, who would have both titles, has to go on to night two of WrestleMania and defend the WWE Championship. He wouldn't be defending the Universal Championship. He'd be defending the WWE Championship. So, like, for me, I would probably have Seth Rollins win the Royal Rumble this year. And that way you can do Roman Reigns, although it might be a little obvious if Seth Rollins wins, but still, that's just an example. You do Roman Reigns versus Seth Rollins as the main event of night two of WrestleMania. So like night one is the big mainstream, you know, front page, get the call the press, put it on USA Today, Brock Lesnar, Roman Reigns main event. And then night two is the main event that leads us into Monday Night Raw and into what the next year of WWE will look like. Plus, then, when you have a match like that, because what you also could do, right, is you could have Roman versus Brock as your night two main event, title versus title. But in order to get there, Roman or Brock, like, if Seth wins the Royal Rumble, Seth gets to pick who he's going to face, and one of those two men has a match on night one. So, like, Roman has to beat Seth on night one and then Brock on night two. Or if Brock's the babyface, probably the other way around. Brock would have to beat Seth on night one and Roman on night two. Two separate stories you're telling there. Like, you know, it depends on what you want to do there. That becomes more Seth is simply something for Brock to get over before he can get to Roman Reigns. It's just another, just just a weakness to throw at the babyface as opposed to doing it the night after where it feels like, oh, they might not have Roman carry both titles. Like, if Seth versus Brock is the main event for night one, nobody thinks Seth is going to win. I mean, there is this possibility because maybe they're going to go with Seth versus Roman as the main event of night two. But realistically, probably not. And Brock is still a babyface, so it's like, it just becomes a hurdle. Night two, I think that, you go in thinking Seth has more of a shot. So that's probably how I would do it. I would have the winner of the Royal Rumble get a shot at whatever title his brand represents on night two of WrestleMania. Night one is Brock versus Roman Reigns. Be a little complicated. They have to figure out the language for it to advertise it. But that's that's kind of that's kind of how I I would do it if it's going to go the way I think it's going to go. Now, there is another way to do this. You didn't think I was just going to say it's still Roman versus Brock and that is what it is, right? Because what if it's not Roman versus Brock? What if instead we realize that things have changed, that Mother Nature got right in our face and said, what are you going to do? And instead of just scrapping night one and changing it, we're going to scrap the whole season. Because night one worked, right? And I felt like, Everybody got over at night one. I felt like everybody in that match came out looking stronger. I felt like people are hungry for more from Big E. People are hungry for Brock versus Lashley. People are excited that Brock is champion. You know, there's like, instead of being, ugh, like the majority, there's some people that are annoyed at Brock still, of course. But I think that the majority of people, like they were literally chanting, we want Brock, we want Brock in the match. Brock as a baby face is working. 
So with all that goodwill, it's almost like maybe we switch things up and get to Brock versus Roman later. Like for me, I go, okay, if I'm starting from scratch right now, if I'm not committed to doing Brock versus Roman at WrestleMania, if I can do whatever I want, well, here's where we're going. <laughs> I would do uh, Brock versus Big E at Royal Rumble. You know, I think that, that Big E, you know, somebody put out a statistic of the wins and losses that Big E had as champion, and it was a lot of losses. But all that said, I, I think the energy that Big E had as champion is a little bit more important than the wins and losses. I think that Big E comes out of his title run as a much bigger star. I think that he looks like a credible contender for the WWE Championship now. I think that Big E does not have to win the Money in the Bank briefcase anymore for people to believe that he's going to be champion. He, I think, was taken seriously as a champion. And with that said, I think you can continue to put him in main events now. You know, and I, I and I think that coming off of that Fatal Five Way, he still looked strong. Look, I'd have him go to Royal Rumble to face Brock Lesnar, and I, I'd have him lose, you know, unfortunately. That's just the way the cookie crumbles sometimes. Brock Lesnar is not losing to Big E, but still a strong performance. Brock Lesnar sells his ass off just like he did in that Fatal Five Way. And what you're getting to for me is eventually... Big E looks stronger. Goldberg's got one more match on his WWE contract. He said it on the Pat McAfee show recently. I've got Big E versus Goldberg as Big E's WrestleMania match. And Big E beats Goldberg. And that's where it's like you make things right. Coming off of WrestleMania, Big E is still going to be in that main event scene. And while a couple pins by Brock Lesnar are not the greatest things in the world, he's going to make it up by pinning Goldberg and start getting some victories under his belt. But that's the match that I would have for Brock at the Royal Rumble, is Brock Lesnar versus Big E. I would also start to build a story tonight on Raw. A rivalry between Bobby Lashley and Seth Rollins. I would have Seth Rollins uh, blaming Bobby Lashley for the fact that Brock Lesnar won. I would have Bobby Lashley taking umbrage with that. You know, I, I would do it. I, you don't need to turn either one of them. Heel versus heel is fine. But I, I, I would really build this thing up between Seth Rollins and Bobby Lashley to the point where they go to the Royal Rumble with a loser leaves Raw stipulation. It's Bobby Lashley versus Seth Rollins the loser is gone from Monday Night Raw. Only one of us can survive on this brand. They have been asking Bobby Lashley for months and months and months and months. Can they coexist? Well, Bobby Lashley, the answer is no. I can't be your partner. I can't be your friend. I can't even be your coworker. I don't want to share a locker room with you. Well, that's funny, Seth Rollins, because I don't want to share a locker room with you either. I think you're a disgrace to the Monday Night Raw locker room. I think the way you you carry yourself around here is despicable. And I don't want you, I don't want you, your lack of professionalism brings down mine. And I don't want your energy anywhere around me. 2022 is not about that for me, Rollins. So... We're going to the Rumble, and only one man stays on Raw. And guess what? Seth Rollins wins the match. People assume that Seth is going to go over to SmackDown. No. Seth Rollins beats Bobby Lashley. Seth Rollins kicks Bobby Lashley off Raw. Now, Brock Lesnar is representing Raw as the WWE champion. Roman Reigns is still representing SmackDown as the Universal champion. So you're like, are we doing Roman... Reigns versus Bobby Lashley. And there's even more thrown into the mix there because Lashley, later on that same night, wins the Royal Rumble. So Rollins and Lashley are both still in the Royal Rumble. And the commentators say, this is Bobby Lashley's last hope. If Bobby Lashley truly wants to stay on Raw, he can win the Royal Rumble and he can become the WWE champion. The WWE champion has the right to stay on Raw. So Bobby Lashley wins the Royal Rumble. However, he does not choose to stay on Raw because he shows up on SmackDown. 
And he goes on and he goes to SmackDown where they've hired him right away. He's a great free agent. Adam Pierce isn't going to let that one slip out of his fingers. And Bobby Lashley shows up on SmackDown and and starts wondering, who am I going to pick? And Roman Reigns says, there's only room for one one top earner on this show. There's only one head of the table, Lashley. I don't know what you think you're going to do here, but it ain't going to be at my expense. And they're bickering, they're bickering. But eventually, Lashley does make the bold pick. Lashley picks Brock Lesnar. What? Lashley picks Brock Lesnar for WrestleMania. So now SmackDown is like, what are we doing here? And Lashley is in the clo- the, the, the uh, main event segment, and he's in the main event segment for two weeks in a row. And Roman Reigns is offended by this. And Roman Reigns goes to Adam Pierce, And Roman Reigns goes, Pierce, I've had enough. Pierce goes, what do you mean you've had enough? Roman goes, not only are you letting that man disrespect me, he comes on my show and he tries to bring Brock Lesnar out here. When I'm here, I'm the head of the table, not Brock Lesnar. And then you put him in the main event segment two weeks in a row. You knew this was coming, Pierce. I quit. What? I quit. Roman Reigns quit SmackDown. And you know where he's going. Roman Reigns is now going over to Monday Night Raw. So now you have switched. Roman Reigns is now on Raw. It's like uh, beginning of February, mid-February. Roman Reigns is on Raw. Bobby Lashley is on SmackDown now. We have swapped them over. And the Usos, of course, are coming with Roman Reigns. Now, the Bloodline are on Raw, and the first thing they do on Raw is they start trashing the show. Like Roman is taking shots at Raw and SmackDown. He's going like this. I'll tell you why I'm here. Because this show has been unwatchable. Boo. Who do you have sitting at the head of the table? Who do you have on this show that has ever drawn a dime? You think you know me. Yeah, I can't believe it. Edge comes out. Drawn a dime. Roman, not only have I drawn a dime, but I didn't have to have the boss putting me in every main event possible to get those dimes. Ooh. We're starting to build up the animosity because, of course, Edge at the Royal Rumble did have his mixed tag, okay? We saw Beth Phoenix and Edge tag uh, against Miz and Maurice, and they beat them at the Royal Rumble. So that story is finished at the Rumble. I saw people thinking that this is going to last till Mania. No, only last till the Rumble. So Edge is now free from that, and he goes, uh, uh, yeah, I'm actually the head of the table here. You can walk around with that blue title belt all you want, but I think it would look better with a big rated R in the center of it. I represent Raw, because Edge is not a free agent. Edge got drafted to Raw. I represent Raw, and I represent it well in Roman. I don't think you fit in around here. That leads us to the February pay-per-view, Elimination Chamber. I'm going to just, I'm making up my own reality, so it's Elimination Chamber. It's Edge versus Roman Reigns. You've also got the Elimination Chamber match that is going to set up who the next challenger is going to be for WrestleMania. So you And you can do a women's uh, uh, Elimination Chamber on that show too. That can be your other Elimination Chamber match. But the point is that that's how we're finding out who is going to face for the Universal title. We know it's going to be Lashley and Lesnar for the WWE title. Who is going to face for the Universal title? The Elimination Chamber match is Big E... Kevin Owens, Seth Rollins, Austin Theory, Finn Balor, and either Omos or AJ Styles. I want Omos to be in it. I want him to be in that chamber and just tearing people up, but Omos isn't going to win. So I almost would rather not figure out a, have to figure out a creative way for him to lose. Although you could have him, I don't know, get knocked out of the cage and get disqualified or... I don't know, maybe he has to chase somebody back or something like that. I just, I don't know. It might be too complicated to figure out a way for him to get eliminated. But if you can give me a good way for almost to get eliminated, I'll absolutely put almost in this elimination chamber match. Because the key is that Seth Rollins wins the elimination chamber. Seth Rollins over Big E, Kevin Owens, Austin Theory, Finn Balor, and maybe almost. 
The main event, Roman Reigns versus Edge, happens after that Elimination Chamber match. Roman Reigns, and it's, by the way, this is the match we were supposed to get at WrestleMania. This is the big one-on-one Roman Reigns match. We had it once, but it was interrupted by interference from Seth Rollins. So, Roman Reigns versus Edge. Roman beats Edge fair and square, one-on-one, but now Roman takes great offense. Roman takes great offense to what Edge said about him to bringing up the fact that the boss put him in all those main events for not acknowledging him. That's something Edge never did. He never properly acknowledged Roman Reigns. So what's he going to do? He's going to break his pencil neck. He's going to break his neck like a twig. And he sets up Edge, ready to break his neck. And here comes Rollins. And Rollins jumps in the ring. And Rollins looks at Edge. And he looks at Roman. And he smiles. What is this? Edge and Rollins on the same page? Roman, and we remember last time we saw Edge, Rollins, and Roman, Rollins was out for Edge. So Roman has Edge, his wrists down, right? And he's holding him down, and Edge's head is, is flush, his cheek is pressing the seat of a chair. So he's got him flat and Edge can't move and Roman is on Roman is down on his knees so he can get his uh, Edge's wrists down like that, right? Rollins comes up for the big curb stomp. This is going to be the end of Edge, please. Edge has had one of the most heroic runs, something out of a fairy tale book. He's trying to make his dream come true and Edge Rollins is going to shatter this. Edge has a family for God's sake. Rollins jumps up for the curb stomp and lands directly on the head of Roman Reigns. Rollins takes out Reigns. Edge looks up. And Rollins shakes his head at Edge. goes, no way, man. And he pulls up Edge. He shows that man some respect, daps him up something proper. The Usos hit the ring. Rollins and Edge take both those guys out. On the way to WrestleMania, we are going to get Rollins and Edge versus the Usos. But ultimately... We are going to WrestleMania. We're going to spend Elimination Chamber to WrestleMania building a proper story, a real story with real ramifications where Seth Rollins is a babyface and Roman Reigns is a heel. And we are going to set up Roman Reigns versus Seth Rollins for WrestleMania as your main event. So WrestleMania, you've got Roman versus Rollins on Raw. Lashley versus Brock on SmackDown. And that's the thing. You might go, well, SmackDown is going to suffer greatly without Roman Reigns. And while that's true, you won't have Paul Heyman's influence in all that. You will have MVP over there. You'll have Bobby Lashley, you'll have MVP, and you'll still have Brock. So you'll be telling the Brock-Bobby-Lashley MVP story on SmackDown, which will be a great story to watch unfold. On Raw, you'll have Roman and Seth unfolding. First will be Roman and Edge, then Roman and Seth. You'll also start to build Big E versus Goldberg over there. You'll have a big Drew McIntyre match on SmackDown. I Those are my three big WrestleMania matches on the men's side. If we're doing it my way, if we're starting from scratch and just doing it today. Edge, I'm sorry, Rollins versus Roman. Lashley versus Lesnar. E versus Goldberg. Then you do a little uh, on the Raw side. Bianca Belair versus Becky Lynch, where Bianca Belair finally gets her victory. You do uh, maybe, uh, I mean, I guess you could do Charlotte versus Sasha Banks. I don't know. I I don't know exactly what you do to tell you the truth on uh, on the women's side for SmackDown just yet. I mean... Unfortunately, we lost Tony Storm this week, but yeah, so I don't, I don't, uh, I don't know what you're going to do for Charlotte unless maybe Mandy Rose shows up at some point. Let me look and see if there's anything that jumps out at me. Um, I mean, you're either doing, sh- look, you're not getting, Zia Lee is not going to be ready for a WrestleMania main event. So you're either doing Charlotte versus Sasha or you're doing Charlotte versus. Naomi, you know, I don't know. I think we need to flush out the SmackDown women's division before we get to, maybe Asuka comes back. We've done Charlotte versus Asuka. You might need to do an old triple threat on the SmackDown side for the women. But 
those are my stories uh, going into WrestleMania. Unless Johnny Knoxville wins the Royal Rumble. And uh, then, you know, I saw some people were like uh, kind of shitting on that, which I, I mean, I'm not mad at people shitting on that. You know, Johnny Knoxville is kind of a weird choice. He's, he's kind of a throwback. But at the same time, like the people who are like, you know, people work really hard and they lose their spot in the Royal Rumble. Like, you know, I don't know. Like, yes, it's cool to be in the Royal Rumble, but there are plenty of people who... If you do nothing all year and then you're in the Royal Rumble for 30 seconds, you're not sitting there going like, yeah, I was in the Royal Rumble for 30 seconds. It's like, you know, I, I, I can't imagine. And, and, it's, and Drew Carey was in the Royal Rumble. Like, there's always celebrities in the Royal Rumble. So I, I, don't, I don't think that this takes away um, anything. It does, speaking of taking away, uh, we should real quick mention that uh, late last week we find out Tony Storm is no longer with WWE. Uh, apparently, she asked for her release. That's what all of the sort of uh, internet hubbub has been saying, that she asked for her release, that she wasn't uh, let go. There wasn't like a big wave of releases, so I tend to believe that. Um, and I don't know why she asked for her release unless it was just frustration with her storyline or, you know, spending too long not wrestling on TV. And when she did, she's getting pies thrown in her face. Whatever it is. I'm excited to see what she's got in store for 2022, whether it's going to AEW, whether it's going to New Japan. I just think Tony Storm is a tremendous, tremendous talent. And not New Japan, but Japan in general. It's just a tremendous talent. And I think has has a lot to offer. And it's a shame that it didn't work in WWE because, yeah, I just think she's one of the standouts for sure. Um Shout out to, speaking of standouts, I do want to mention, and and women, the moment at the pay-per-view with Edge and Beth Phoenix, incredible. I didn't think, like, I almost, I, that's another one where you kind of knew it was coming. But when Beth Phoenix came out looking like a rock star, and, like, Edge and Beth Phoenix together looking like half, like, half like they're going to a rock show, and the other half, like, it's it's almost like they're going to a metal concert in an apocalyptic Mad Max era. You know what I mean? Like there was just something very Mad Max about both of them. And, and you know, and I tweeted something about it, but there was part of me going like, that's my mom and dad. <laughs> you know, that's, I, I feel like that's my wrestling mom and dad. That's what I'm gonna, I'm gonna think of them now when they're together. What a couple, what a wholesome couple. Like if there was any couple that I'd wanna spend time with or be raised by, it would be Beth Phoenix and Edge. They're incredible. Ridge Holland getting his face smashed in by Ricochet. Oof, that was tough. Hopefully he's all right. Um, and here's one that you guys should check out. This is not a WWE thing, but same time that uh, day one was happening on Saturday, GCW, and you can get it on Fight, was running, or you could just find the meme online was running their uh, New Year's Day show in Atlantic City. Unfortunately, I didn't get to attend, uh, but I love going to GCW shows. You guys know that by now. Effie was in the ring. Effie, who's been on this podcast before, one of my favorites, uh, was in the ring, cutting a promo, doing his thing. I think Effie's fine. And all of a sudden, the lights go out. And uh, a cowboy wearing all black with his face shrouded in black, nails Effie in the head with a guitar. And then he takes off his mask, reveals himself. Double J, Jeff Jarrett is there. How about this? Jeff Jarrett attacks Effie at a GCW show. And for all the people that are saying this is some outlaw mud show, deathmatch, you know, bad wrestling. One show this weekend had both Jeff Jarrett attacking Effie and Joey Janela had a match with Scotty Too Hottie. Not Scott Taylor, not even Too Hot Scott Taylor. Scotty Too Hottie. How much more wholesome can you get than on a good old-fashioned wrestling show that has Jeff Jarrett and Scotty Too Hottie? And by the way, if there was ever a smart worker in this business... The fact that Jeff Jarrett is like, you guys are playing the Hammerstein, huh? Might be a good time to come in and check that little indie promotion out. 
Oh, Jarrett, J-A-R-R-E-T-T. Real recognizes real, Jeff. I smell you. I know you're a smart guy. Good timing, my friend. Good timing. And uh, it would be a good timing for me to say goodbye to you this week. Don't forget to check us out on YouTube at youtube.com slash notsamwrestling. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you get it, be it on uh, Apple Music, be it on Spotify, uh, right directly from, uh, you know, the, the Not Sam Wrestling site, you know, the site that gets linked in the link tree, regardless of how you get it. And if you are listening on Spotify, they're doing a ranking now or a, a rating now. You can rate it five stars. So do me a favor. If you're listening on Spotify, rate it five stars. If you're not stars, if you're not listening on Spotify, maybe start listening on Spotify and rate it five five stars. Do your thing. If you want more Not Sam Wrestling, go to patreon.com slash Wrestling, and we will see you next week right here. Thank you, everybody. Thanks for listening. Follow at Not Sam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Rate, review, and subscribe. This has been Not Sam Wrestling. Not Sam Wrestling.